0: Pretty powerful video. It's been around for a while. Uh, But I think we would all agree that when it comes to how we see ourselves, we're our own worst critics. And we just assume that people uh, know about what we see about ourselves and judge us that way. Uh, They see the flaws that we see, uh, and we see them that they make us different and not in a good way. So, how do you see yourself? here's another question how do you think god sees you you know because often we take the way others see us and the way we see us and we assume that's how god sees us and that can feel like a fair logical assumption but is it true is that what God sees when he looks at us? I mean, what is it he sees? I mean, the blemishes and stuff we can make go away with cosmetic surgery. We can make our straighten our teeth. But what about the flaws in here? You know, the things we've done or haven't done. Is that what God looks at when he looks at us? Uh, perhaps the most influential person in the spread of Christianity following the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, was a man named Paul. Uh, He ended up writing almost half of what is now the New Testament. And he wrote uh, letters to different people, different churches. And in some of those letters that he wrote, he talked a lot about how God sees us. Here's just a couple of examples of some of the things Paul wrote to some first century Christians who were struggling with their new identity and and what that meant for them and how it impacted their relationship with God. And here's what he wrote. He said, even before he made the world, and he's referring to God, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God loved you and me, before this planet even existed. Just wrap your head around that one for a second. And when it comes to what happens inside our heart when we choose to to follow God and allow him to love us, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Another translation puts it this way. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And of all the people, all the authors of the Bible, Paul would know that best. You see, there was a time that Paul was on an all-out mission to wipe out anyone and everyone that followed this this Jesus, this this radical Jewish rabbi that was turning the religious foundations on on their head. And Paul went around persecuting and arresting Christians, and often those that were arrested were executed, which you could say Paul was an accomplice to murder. And one day as he's heading off to another town with a permit to go arrest a bunch more Christians, Paul has a miraculous, dramatic encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And in that moment, as Paul is laying on the ground... He suddenly realized the truth of who Jesus was. God. It doesn't say I can imagine waves of guilt and shame must have just washed over him as he realized, Oh man, did I blow it. Have you ever felt that? I've just blown it. I just that's the camel that the straw that broke the camel's back. In a lot of ways, I think Paul did what a lot of us do, and what I did all those years ago in my sister's room, he flipped the mirror. And all of a sudden, all his flaws, all his mistakes, all his mess-ups just came rushing to the fore, and it's all he could see. And he was no doubt laying on the ground just waiting for God to finish him off with one last lightning bolt, you know, for all the pain and hurt he had caused. That's not what happened. God saw something in Paul that Paul couldn't even see himself. And years later, Paul recalls this whole experience in a letter he wrote to this young pastor, a guy named Timothy. Listen to what he wrote. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me, because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. And he goes on, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus, don't miss this, came into the world to save sinners. People with blemishes, flaws, mistakes, mess-ups. And he goes on, I am the worst of them all. Have you ever felt that way about yourself? I'm the worst of them all, like you have no idea. You You wouldn't relate to my story. And he goes on, he says, but God, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. You know, Paul received and experienced radical grace, radical f- forgiveness. And as he went through his life, he began to get glimpses of how God actually saw him. And the same is possible for you and for me. And you know, maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying and it all sounds great on a Sunday morning, but... You don't know me like I know me. And you know what? You're right. I don't. You know, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I've done some things that I'd rather just forget and leave buried. You know, you're convinced that you've turned a corner down a one-way street and there is no way back. Maybe you're here and you've had some things done to you that you'd rather just go to your grave with because the shame runs so deep. Well, if you feel there's no way God sees anything but your mistakes when he looks at you, your mess-ups, your flaws, then let these next words soak in. They come right after Paul says, "You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And then he says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. All of this... All of this is a new shot at life. All of this is second, third, fourth, hundred, thousandth chances. All of this is a new identity. All of this is forgiveness. All of this is grace. All of this is a gift. And you know what that means? You can't earn it. You can't barter for it. You can't qualify yourself for it. There's only one thing you can do. Accept it. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to get your stuff together before you come to God. That's the trap we we dump ourselves in all the time. It's like, well, I'll get my life figured out, then I can go to church, then I can go be with God. That's not the story. That's what I love about this place. Uh, You you can belong here, uh, not when you have it together, but precisely because you don't have it together. The meeting place is a church for everyone. The unchurched, the de church, the anti church, the skeptic, the curious. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done or not done. You matter to God. and So you matter to us. You're of infinite worth. This place is made up of real people living real lives, making mistakes, experiencing joy, doing the best we can with what we have, and taking our next steps towards Christ and helping everyone else do the same. So no matter what narrative is going through your head, no matter what you see in that true mirror, what you think is the true mirror, you're accepted and loved by God just the way you are. God can't love you any more or any less than he does right in this moment. But he also can't set you free until you take the gift that he's holding out to you. And that is possible because of what Paul wrote next. He says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them think about that every time I come to God and admit that I've messed up which for me is still a lot he no longer holds that stuff over my head you know what that means It means, just what we said, you can come despite your flaws that you think exclude you from or disqualify you from being accepted or loved by God. The guy on the screen behind me is a super good friend of mine. Uh, His name's Mark. Uh, we go way back to uh, late elementary school days, mostly in high school. That's when we started hanging out. And to be honest, we really started to hang out a lot together, uh, sitting outside the principal's office on a bench, waiting to find out what our latest attention, how long it was going to be. Uh, because Mark, um, was he was usually down there because he has what is now known as ADHD. He just could not sit still in class. like He was just always doing something. So What he did to to work through that is he began doodling and drawing. And what would happen is is he would get so involved in his doodling and drawing, the teacher would notice and then inevitably ask him a question, and he would have a clue what was going on in the class. And the teacher would say, you need to learn a lesson, go down to the principal's office, and we'll figure something out. I, on the other hand, I got sent down to the principal's office for being a disruption to the rest of the students in the class because, unlike Mark... I don't have an artistic bone in my body. And so when I got bored in class, instead of drawing, I turned my Bic pen into a spitball machine. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I could hear the knowing laughs. You usually shoot the girls, try and get some attention. But Mark, Mark's artistic ability is the one thing I've always admired about him. Almost in an envious sort of way, because he's so good at it. He's an artist through and through, and he's 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 gifted with this uh, ability to create something out of seemingly nothing, uh, which is exactly what he does today for a living. Uh, he takes things that most of us would consider junk, you know, past its prime, uh, useless because it's broken or whatever. Uh, things like old garden hoses that are cracked and leaked. Inner tubes from bikes that are full of holes, umbrellas that are all shredded, discarded tent pegs, glass jars, rusty nuts and bolts. He even uses CO2 cartridges from those whipped cream machines. And he takes all of that stuff and he fashions them into these incredible, one-of-a-kind creations like this boat. That boat is in, made entirely from reclaimed, repurposed material that he found in dumpsters and garbage cans and back alleys. Uh, to show how creative he is, uh, the portholes on that boat are made from grommets from an old tarp. Like, if I, I would not see that. I would just see the old tarp and say, well, I can't use that. Uh, the tires that are represented on the side of the boat there, they're made from a garden hose sliced... In half, in little pieces. And I don't know if you can see it. The antenna on the, the, the roof there is an old resistor from an old piece of electronics, you know, an old Walkman or something like that. And about a year ago, he, he added these to his repertoire, uh, these robots uh, and these spaceships. Uh, the robot in this picture, you can see, it's, the arms are made from old wrenches. One of them is from like an old mecano set. He's used a wheel from a, a, a desk or a cart for the, for the legs. There's wing nuts and springs. The body of the spaceship, uh, you'll, once, you, once I say what it is, you'll go, Oh, yeah, I can see it. It's, it's part of a leg, the, the, the spindle part of a leg of an old chair someone threw away. He used an old glass jar for the cockpit and some discarded wire for, to mimic a life support system even went so far as to take an old SOS pad and make it look like exhaust. It just blows my mind how he can see the potential of what I would just consider junk, garbage. Just toss it away. It's no good anymore. And he makes something beautiful out of it. Isn't that a great picture of how God sees us and what he does with us? He sees the beauty just waiting to be born out of the junk and the the trash in our lives that we believe make us worthless, unacceptable, unlovable, unforgivable. So here's the question. What do you see when you look at yourself? Are you able to catch a glimpse, even, even just a small one, of the loving way that God really sees you? Are you able to see that you are loved? That you can be forgiven? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made? That you are God's masterpiece? Because here's the thing. The very moment you accept the gift that's held out to you, the moment you surrender to the boundless love, the kindness, the grace, the forgiveness, and the future that your creator God offers you, in that moment... You become a child, a friend, a son, a daughter of God with a new identity, a new heart, a new hope, and a new future. I don't know where you find yourself with that this morning. Uh, Maybe you're just new here and you're just checking out the claims of of God and Jesus and how the church works, and you haven't come to the place where you're ready to to let God love you the way he wants to love you, you know what? That's okay. My encouragement would be to just keep coming back and, and just open yourself up to the possibility of what that could look like. You know, God's not going anywhere. If anything, he's following you around. He's just waiting. But in the meantime, in the meantime, wherever you find yourself, know this. You are unconditionally loved and accepted just the way you are. And we think that's pretty darn cool. Really glad you're here with us on this journey. I invite you to pray with me. God, it can be so easy to project what we see in our lives as uh, our mistakes, our mess-ups, the areas that uh, we've, we've blown it. And take those and magnify them uh, so that's all we can see. And we can't see you through all of that. It becomes a barrier between us. That there's no way you could love me for the things I've done. But the, the narrative in the Bible is just the opposite of that. You loved us so much that you came to this place to rescue us. To, to pull the beauty that you put in us out. So we can be lights and shine in the dark places Reflect your light to to those that are feeling hopeless and lost, as we once were. We just thank you for your grace. That absolutely makes no sense at all, and that's why it's grace. Thank you for loving us, and we pray this in your awesome name. Amen.